Well, good morning. As you can tell, I am not James Wiley. Uh, This is uh, Josh talking to you because today we have to um, suffer the loss of our friend. I'm just kidding. He's just not here. Uh, This morning, now, as you all, if you're a faithful listener, you know we discussed last week the uh, beginning topic of giants, as that is obviously the continuation of the conversation of the sons of God. But we do not feel that we need to uh, continue that topic today. That will be brought back in a later time uh, with Brother Wiley's presence. But he could not be here today, and um, so uh, we are going to uh, discuss a separate topic. Um, I am here today with uh, my friend Chad, and say hi, Chad. Hi, Chad. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, you are. You are a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we are still blessed with the presence of Brother Nathan Pelkey and his awesome Skyler Bible, and um, that we are all very jealous of. I have one. Oh, you do. I do. Yes. Well, yeah. you would. So it was a, a gift from a friend. It was a gift from a friend. It really was, yep. He has to clarify, but what that means is he didn't purchase it. I didn't pay for it. No, nope. because I didn't pay for it. Um, I'm happy with my Dollar Tree uh, Bible. So I'm kidding. Same words. It is. It's the same words. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yep. And um, But by the way, uh, how do you spell Skylar? S C H U Y L E R. Gorgeous Bibles. And um, I, I do recommend them, although I don't have one. But anyway, so we are here today to discuss a topic that I myself am struggling with, um, that uh, Brother Colburn has been um, very influential in helping me understand some things that I personally never heard before. Um, i got to be honest, I haven't, um, and some views of the scriptures. Um, but he is going to help us today not necessarily convince us. Can I say it that way? That's totally fair. I don't want to convince anybody. I just want to discuss it. Discuss it, yes. He's not trying to convince me or persuade me. Um, But I do want to reiterate, like Brother Wiley has recently said several times, just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's not true. And so if we believe in the cool things of Scripture— we can also believe in the not so cool that that causes our minds to have to recalibrate just because doctor so and so or this is what i was always taught just because we say that doesn't necessarily mean it's always true um can i say it like that is that fair yeah i mean another way to put it is the age we live in is a very uh, scientism oriented age. And so and by, this, by definition, their version of scientism would be very humanistic. Yeah. And it's still going to have religious adherence to it. Right. Okay. And, Cause you have to trace our age back to, uh, where, you know, the, the age of reason, we live in an age of reason, which man uses his faculties his five senses, mm. and he uses tools that he makes, instruments that he makes to make judgments about the the universe that he lives in. And whether or not his senses and tools betray him or are truthful to him you know, or, or are useful to him, you know, that is a, a debate for another time. Mm. But, Jimmy, just to kind of run with it. Just get us talking. Get us going. All right. So we're just talking about we're talking about a subject called cosmology. This is not like cosmopolitan, uh, <laughs> but cosmology, and that is the construction of the universe itself, the the heaven and earth that God created. And if you've listened to this podcast, or you're a Bible student yourself, you're and you um, understand the principles of Bible interpretation you know, right division, honoring context, honoring comparison, uh, understanding application, all of these things. If you do that, then some of this is not really going to be entirely brand new, the things that will bring up to build the argument, right? Because you build an argument with, with the foundation first. Okay, so we're talking about 
cosmology, and in particular, how is the universe constructed? How is the universe constructed? We know that um, we would agree, and you guys should just jump in at any time, okay? Because I will just ramble no, when you unless say, you jump in. Can I, oh, no, you go ahead. Can I just, I wanted to say something kind of before. We should also state that we're joined by Nathan Pelkey. Did you say that? I did, did say that. Yeah, okay, did. thanks for listening. Where were you? I wasn't no, listening. I, I was busy. It's a really big <laughs> round was table. Checking. He was in the other room. <laughs> I was checking my Instagram. You know. I was thinking as as Josh was speaking about, you know, renewing or uh, would you say recalibrating said, yeah. our minds? That's and, the word I use. You can. Uh, this is stuff that's fairly new to me too, and I've I've just I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of these things and. I was I was just thinking a couple minutes ago. I'm just going to read it so I don't misquote it. But Romans 12:2 says, "And be not conformed to this world." We've been told by the world, by uh, science, so-called, what all these things are. And as Josh also said, I think it was Josh. We're not trying to convince, or maybe it was Chad, but just trying to spur people's minds and whet your interest in these things because ultimately I think the purpose or the goal is to get people thinking biblically and challenge them to think biblically. And so the Bible says in Romans 12 too, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as we're recalibrating, that's I think what we're really doing is we are renewing our minds Mm -hmm. to think not in conformity to the world, but in conformity to the Word of God. And how do we renew our minds? It's through the Word of God. Sure. Let uh, God be true and every man alive. Right, right. There's other scriptural considerations. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy uh, and vain deceit. And humanism is a vain deceit. Right. Right? Agreed. Humanism, to say that man is the measure of all things, and man, through his own reasoning and rationale can understand and deduce the universe and everything about him, uh, that is a vain deceit. That vain deceit can become the tradition of men. Right. That philosophy can become the tr- tradition of men. And often and, does, I think. Yes, and it, can, and it becomes the rudiments of the, of the world, you know, the rudimentary elements of the world. Right. So, you know, like you look at the, the worldview that we, of the world we live in, this present age is one that is, there's the religion of scientism. Mm-hmm. And this is not a brand new problem. Uh, at the end of the uh, 19th century, you really had what is called, um, there's, there's a myth, and it's the myth of progress. The idea that through science and technology, we can bring humankind to a utopia, to where there's no more war, there's no more death, sickness, heaven on earth, if you will, mm-hmm. through science and technology. World War I kind of screwed that up a little bit, mm-hmm. and then World War II made it uh, even even harder to believe. But still today, even at the at, through the pandemic, uh, there were commercials uh, on on the television, if you have one, <laughs> that uh, Pfizer commercials. You can find them on YouTube that puts forth this idea that through science we can solve all of the problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. So what problems? Death, suffering, sickness, okay? That's, that's a religious belief. That's a belief. Yeah. So we, well, I think we have to understand that, that that creeps into our way of thinking as well. Sure. Yeah. And science is often positioned as contrary to what? To Scripture. To Scripture, right. to our faith. And I remember years ago, I was working a job in retail, and a couple of my coworkers confronted me one day and said, Nate, let me ask you this question. Would you agree that all wars ever fought throughout history are over religion? And if we eliminated religion from off the earth, there would be no more wars? Which, as you were talking about this utopia through science, right. it got me thinking, it makes sense. Science is often contradictory to our faith and what we believe and what science would say is what we believe is simply nothing more than a religion. So if they can use science to try to eradicate our faith or in their terms, religion from off the face of the earth, we could have this utopia. So it seems that that's right. It fits. I mean, that is a, that is pretty much Marxism, right? At its very core is you Mm -hmm. eliminate, first of all, eliminating opposition, but specifically eliminating religious 
um, resistance threat. or religious opposition. They consider a threat. Correct. Right. So, so that would that's even like a Marxist idea for someone to entertain that and think that that's you know, hey, if we just eliminate all religions, man is inherently religious. Mm-hmm. He worships something, whether he worships himself or God or science, whatever it is, he worships something. And of course, we would argue there is one God. Right. You know, there is one God in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, which is what? Well, the word of God. Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Okay, so again, um, this, I think we just, I'm just, we're just putting out there that the present evil world we live in the religion of that world is is a large part of that foundation is science. And so we have to be careful as Christians that we are our understanding of the world that we live in is not shaped devoid of science, but understanding that science is something that should reveal the glory of God, but should not oppose God. So like First Timothy 6:20, He's not telling him to avoid science altogether. He's saying avoid oppositions of science, which are falsely so-called. Anything that's true science is going to reveal the glory of God and reveal God in truth. There are Christian... You need them. There are scientists who are Christians. We'll phrase it that way. Totally. Who do great work. Right. You know, who who help people, who's, who's... People, uh, who make a difference in the world because of their science. If you're drinking uh, pasteurized milk, right? Um, if you are, who is it? Marie Curie, right? Mm-hmm. Disco- Marie? Ma- Mary Marie Curie, right? Discovers the x-ray, which... Or develops the yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Curie. Marie Curie. We're coffee drinkers. Yeah. Curie sounds, sounds like Curie okay. to me. <laughs> well, George, so, I mean, if you like peanut butter, you good can job, thank guys. George Washington Carver. Right, okay. So... so we're not talking about opposing science or disregarding science. We are saying to beware yeah. of philosophy, vain deceit, and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Okay. I forget the reference, but it's in Psalms where it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Right. I think it's a good way to, to evaluate any science that we're going to contemplate as being truth. Where does it fit in the Word of God? Right. Does it line right. up? And right. if it does, well, then we can be confident it's accurate. Right. But mm-hmm. where there's a conflict, yeah. let God be true and every, every man, man a liar. liar. Right. Okay. So yeah. we've kind of laid a base. Yeah. Okay. So we're just kicking the can around about, like, the construction of the universe, right? Cosmology. How is, when God built the universe, how? Like, what did it look like when it was finished? What does it look like today? in terms of even its three-dimensional shape and the location of things, right? Is that, that fair? That's fair. So we know in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Those are the two first things, Genesis 1, that we read about, or the two points. Uh, the, the two, and I would, I think I'm going to make the argument that they are the two fixed points in God's creation, heaven and the earth. Okay, so the earth, now of course we're going to come to the creation week and see that God is, is in essence, he's rebuilding, reconstructing. Uh, the earth is going to be replenished. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that God does while there's still heaven and earth is he creates a firmament in the midst of the waters. Okay, so we've already kind of made... The case in prior podcasts that when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, there was no firmament yet. That's right. So in order for him to move upon the face of the waters, the only place where we could conclude the face of the waters was, was in heaven, where there is a throne of God that sits upon a crystal sea. That would be the face of the waters. So then a firmament is introduced that separates the waters from the waters. The waters on the earth from the waters at the at the outside of the universe but we would say specifically the at least the crystal sea that separates heaven third heaven from second heaven everybody with me so far following you you're following are you following 
Sure. If you're not, I want to know because I want to make sure I explain the the imagery. Well. I'll be honest. This is this is stuff so, I haven't delved into, but I'm following you. I'm not okay. saying I necessarily. So, for me, Genesis one two. Yeah. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Was not that the reference to the judgment that occurred? Is that the waters that that the Lord used in Peter? Is it first Peter or second Peter? Talking about the flood, not not the flood of Noah, but the flood that occurred. Absolutely. Okay. And where is the face of that? The face of that would have to be in heaven because everything else is filled with water. Okay. Right? Because then by the I'm time you come... I'm just making sure my understanding is still there. Sure. Because Mike the... and I are being students today. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just exploring the Bible together. By the time you come to Genesis 1-6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. This firmament is a, it's a space. It is space. We find that in that, if, and we're trying to understand, well, what is the size or extent of that space? Well, in that space, we know that there uh, are, uh, in verse number 20, there are um, flying creatures, fowl. Uh, he creates fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Okay, so we have a heaven there. And then we also, if you were to back up in verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So in the firmament, we know there's birds and we know there's also the stars of heaven. He makes two lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. Okay, so now we know the firmament is space. We know what's in it. And then when we understand that Paul is called up to third heaven, right? We know uh, Paul speaks of third heaven. This is going to be in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, where Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Uh, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And in the third heaven, what happens there? Well, he, is, he describes it as being caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. I would argue that he is speaking of heaven where God is mm -hmm. at this mm -hmm. very moment. Okay? So if you have a third heaven, then what follows? Well, logically, you have to have first and second. All right. And then we can just use simple deduction and say, well, first heaven would be where the birds fly. Okay. And second heaven would be where the sun, moon, stars, uh, and the rest of, of the universe, that's space, that's what that would be. Everybody with me so far? Great. All right. So now we just figure out, so what then... There's an interesting point that Nate brought up in our pre-recording pre discussion, which was extensive uh, because we didn't know what to talk about. It wasn't honestly. all on this topic either. No, it we covered everything. Number of topics. We covered a lot of things. It was extensive because it was a length of time, not because it was deep into anything. <laughs> uh, but, all right, so current science says that the Earth uh, goes around the sun... Uh, every 365 plus days, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, in creation, you know, what comes first, the earth or the sun? Well, the earth does. The earth comes first. Right. Okay. So, when the earth is created, uh, the question in my mind is, okay, so the earth would not have been moving around the sun because the sun is not there for the earth to move around. So heaven, we would argue, heaven is, is, the, is well, heaven is up. Heaven is north. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible uses the word north for a reason. Yep. I'm specifically speaking of Lucifer in Isaiah 14 where Lucifer intended to ascend the sides of the north, and he's, he wants to go to third heaven. So we would know that we would understand that heaven is north, 
Um, whether that's true north or magnetic north, I'm not sure at this moment. But it is <laughs> north. It be true, but it is north. Who knows? It's probably true north because magnetic north would have happened because of the flood. If we're well, right, it deals with landscape and yeah, those types of things. Okay, so we know that heaven is north. Heaven is fixed. So then it's like okay, so when God made, when God's working again. And he puts that firmament in. The earth is just there. It's just there. It is a, it is a fixed object, at least at that point, because there's nothing for it to go around. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then on day four, he creates the sun, the mm-hmm. moon, the stars. Now, when God creates the earth, so we know the earth was at least a fixed point for three days of creation week. We can argue that. I think we could, we could infer that. That's the word we use recently, infer it. So the question is, when God made the sun, moon, and stars, did he then cause the earth to rotate or revolve, rather, revolve. around the sun? And that is the question. Now, historically, for many, many years, men held a geocentric view. And what that we... T- Joked about this, I don't know, several podcasts back. What's geocentrism? Geocentrism means the earth is centered and everything revolves around the earth. Okay. And that would place the earth not necessarily a galaxy in a galaxy far, far away. No, because that's where Luke is. <laughs> right. Luke's <laughs> dark, yeah. Okay. Oops. I'm sorry. I went sorry. there. Pop culture <laughs> reference. One of them Star Trek references. That's yeah. right. Star Wars. I know. I know. Okay. Did you just say Star Trek? I did. I was just <laughs> yeah. being funny. It wasn't funny, though, was it? I probably Don't offended. I offended half of our listenership right there <laughs> right. by getting just that wrong. Lost followers. Yep. Don't mind me. I'm just a stupid Wookiee. Okay. So, okay. Back to geocentrism. Are you with me? Yes. Yep. Okay. You're not checking your Instagram, are you? No, Josh? I'm actually looking at a, um, the next centrism that we're getting. The to other, say. so so, so. the next centrism would be based upon science. Would be specifically Nicholas Copernicus. I yep. can't remember his name. It was Copernicus. Yep. Um, heliocentrism. Right. Geocentrism. The Earth is fixed. Sun, moon, stars ro- revolve around. Heliocentrism. The sun is what is fixed with the earth, moon, and stars revolving around. And the whole solar system the, just hurtling through space random. Not, not, okay, by its truest definition, heliocentrism does not believe in a solar system. It believes in the sun-centered universe, if that makes sense. Okay. So I don't think that a modern man would believe in a sun-centered universe. Agreed. Agreed. He would believe that we're part of the milk. We're, we're, we are, okay, he would go so far as to say, in a heliocentric, his view would say that the sun is just one of, and you cannot even name the number, of stars. We are one of the planets that revolve around that one star. That star is not in the center of anything. It's on a band outside the edge of what you what is called by science the Milky Way galaxy, which we don't even know what's in the center of that. We think it might be a black hole. And the sun is moving around revolving around that center. We are revolving around the sun. Okay. And all of And this, there are billions of these galaxies right. in and solar systems. Now solar well a solar system, by definition, means a star with planets. Right, that's what I mean. So, we're are we one solar system in the Milky Way galaxy? We are a solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. That there are other solar systems within other system. within other in, galaxies within our galaxy within our galaxy other galaxies. There there are solar systems within our galaxy, and then there are solar systems potentially in other, other galaxies. galaxies. Because right. logic says if it's here, it could be there. Right. Again, I'm not I'm to just say using that life the, is necessarily existent on these other. That's right, but, but and and hold on to that thought. And all of this ultimately part of a universe that is expanding from a single point of infinite mass that exploded in the Big Bang. That we cannot get to the edge. 
that the universe as we know it is a constant continual expanse. Okay. Now. That we're not even the center of our own universe. Right. All of these thoughts, because because we are part of a random Mm -hmm. dice roll, basically, Right. right, of the Big Bang, then that does provoke people to think, well, there's probably life like us on other planets and other solar systems. Which is why I'm a firm believer that you cannot accept creation and reject and accept uh, aliens. Because the idea of life outside of the earth, meaning, um, I'm not going biblical, spiritual life. I'm meaning just another planet with other people, you know, Klingons, um, Romulans from Star Trek, Mm -hmm. they do, in order to believe they exist, if you believe in creation, then you have to believe that God created them. Right. Which means God would also, Christ would have to die for them. Well, that's the, here's the thing that, that that's where all these weird questions come. Like, well, did they sin? That's right. Did they, um, if you ever read, have you ever seen the Klingons on Star Trek? They're very, I've never seen a Klingon. (laughs) <laughs> not in person. Not in person. I think I've heard they have a Klingon Bible. They do actually. So, so can I see? This is outside my realm of expertise. So, <laughs> so I am a Star Trek nerd. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say go we're about but to go south fast, aren't we? Can <laughs> I? Can I just say something very quickly? Yeah. All right. Time's here's up. where. Here's where, I am starting to, I'm, I'm standing on a hill. Uh, Brother Wiley likens it to a rock. But the rock is getting smaller and smaller. I have um, taken courses. Um, I have studied. I love astronomy, not astrology. Astrology is the worship of the stars. I don't have a horoscope. I believe. I believe. I studied astronomy. Stars, planets, and their courses. So, uh, what you know. Sign, you know, you take a telescope and you look at this, and you know. But I will say, in all of my classes, um, I took classes in Christian education, which means they believe in Scripture. But in these classes, you're given a curriculum, you're given a book. One hundred percent of the time, unless it's an elementary book. But I'm talking secondary education, so we're in you know, college level courses that I've taken 100% of the time, it is a secular book. And that's been our experience. That has been. Because I took, did you take astronomy? I did. At PCC? I did the same, okay, yes. I did the same. Good, you just said what college. That's fine. I, we have never said what college we went to. But it's here. fine. It's I'm just kidding. Excellent. <laughs> it was uh, Dr. Nelson. He was great. Like he took us to the planetarium and it was a great class. I was thankful for it. Amazing. But we didn't address the issue of cosmology itself. Like how is it ordered? Is it an explosion, right, where just stuff well, is guess... randomly hurtling through the universe, or was there order in the creation of the universe? Yes. Were the stars placed or were they chucked? Mm-hmm. In a in a secular worldview, things are just like they're cos- a secular cosmology. Yeah. Everything is just chucked randomly, of and course. it is where it is. It's, yes. But in an ordered, you know, in a biblical Everything cosmology, placed. everything's placed. Which I ask this, I use this argument or this uh, illustration at church when we talk about the whole Big Bang thing is no one has ever replicated anything being made, any organization ever coming from an explosion. I mean, we've, we've tested bombs, we've dropped bombs. I mean, it's destruction. It's always destroys and tears things apart. Nothing has ever been formed any order has ever been formed out of that's right an explosion it just makes so, no, so using the same logic that they're i mean it it falls apart in my mind right. doesn't it's, make it's any sense it's not demonstrable so i sit in a christian education environment in a planetarium i just recently about 4 weeks ago visited a christian um themed can i say it that way uh planetarium who use Obviously, computer models and computer viewing. I mean, nobody has ever traveled this far. And they portray the universe as we have all been taught. This 
galaxy called the Milky Way, if you were to travel outside the galaxy, which we're on a band on the edge of the Milky Way, if you travel outside of that, you see this galaxy, Andromeda over here, this, whatever. Okay. And the layout is, this is the way God placed sure. it. It wasn't God. It wasn't a hurling effect from mm-hmm. a bang. This is where God placed mm-hmm. every one of these stars. Right. So. Right. So, and and you can okay to to make a to clar to clarify that after an explosion, there is a point at which matter begins. Matter stops moving. Okay. So per, I don't want to misrepresent the other side. You know, they may say there was a big bang, and then they would say, well, things aren't hurtling. You know, there is there things stop at a certain point and begin to, um, you know, form the galaxy, you know, the solar system as we have it now. All that to say, none of that explains the laws of physics, uh, such as gravity. None of that explains the origin of matter, of mass, of all these things. But that's that's not our purpose. But I'm just saying, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to come across as a as being ignorant by virtue of being a Christian and not willing to consider what Agreed. someone else has to say. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Job chapter 9, that's where I want to go first, Job chapter 9. And I'm just using one word and a couple of, I mean, a couple of concepts. Number one, I think when, when in the beginning God creating the heaven and the earth in verse 2 um, and on, when all you have is the heaven and the earth, they movement requires a relationship to other things. Does that make sense? Like you okay. have in order to discern movement, movement itself is a f- and this is my best description, is a function that is relative to the position of other things. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Like if you're in a vast expanse of space and it's just you. Okay, there's there's but there's and there's nothing else. Movement is indiscernible because there's nothing to triangulate the movement. So when you, you know come, you're moving, I'm, as a kid, I remember thinking this. You knew the car was moving when you looked out and saw a tree go by. Sure. And to use that illustration, if you, it looks like in the distance that the mountains are not moving. But that tree right in front of you. the trees are. So relative to position is how you perceive movement. When God is creating, there is only the sun, or there's only heaven and earth. They're two fixed points. And when it comes to a fixed point, there's the word pillar. All right, this is the word I'm concerned with, the word pillar uh, or pillars. Um, I'm just bringing it up on my my phone here in Job chapter 9, okay, verse 6. And I understand, I understand metaphor, I get it, okay, I understand but we are on, just look at the word pillars throughout the scripture. Um, then Job answered 9.1 and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. So you're not wiser than God. He, speaking of God, is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Well, Pharaoh hearted himself against God, right? And he did not prosper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of God, it says, which removeth the mountains. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there any point in the future which we anticipate that mountains will be moved literally and physically? Yes. Yes. Okay, so we so we have a basis for understanding that God moving the mountains is a physical, literal reality in the future. Fair? So what the, the foundation you're laying right now is that we're coming into a, into a passage that we are to take in a literal sense. We have we if we compare scripture to scripture we can take it literally. Okay. Okay, we can take it. I'm just it. making sure I'm I'm following okay. you. Okay. Which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger. I mean in Korah's rebellion God opened up the earth and it swallowed him. Right. All right? That's not just that's not a that's not an allegory. That happened, okay? He died. He, he yeah. and his family, all that aligned themselves with Korah, were swallowed up by the earth. The Red Sea was split in two. Okay, so it shouldn't be a big deal to us that God removes the mountains. Uh, verse uh, chapter six, chapter nine, verse six says, "Which shaketh the earth out of her place, 
and the pillars thereof tremble. Okay, when is it that when is it that summer, winter, springtime, and harvest come? When do they come? Remember, is it pre-flood or post-flood? Let's look at it. All right. Seasons? Yeah, seasons. Well, but, it talks about seasons in Genesis 1, right? It does. But I think as far as winter goes, I believe it's post-flood. Right, mm-hmm. right. And why does that happen? Well, because the earth is tilted on its axis. Mm-hmm. That's why we're experiencing long days. And yes, I believe the earth is a sphere. None of us here believe the earth is a disc. We're not flat earthers. No, no, no. no. Right. Okay? We understand it that way. Well, when was the earth shaken out of her place? Well, you don't have you don't have those four seasons until the flood. Until the flood. Okay. So there's movement in the earth and the pillars thereof tremble. So there's pillars upon which the earth sits. Now, am I saying there are literal is the Bible saying there's literal pillars of marble that the earth is sitting upon. You're going to see it. Right. I'm going to go any farther. Well, the Bible says in Colossians, by him all things consist, right? Sure. So it can be in a fixed point and use pillars to describe the earth's position being fixed, but they're not necessarily be physical pillars we can lay our eyes on because the earth consists in its place because God placed it there. Well said. Well said. Yep. Well said. It's in, so, so Job understands it to be in a fixed place. But then in the same chapter, chapter 9 and verse number, uh, no, I'm sorry, same book, different chapter. Chapter 26 and verse 11, 26, 11, um, Job 26, 10 says, he hath compassed the waters with bounds. So we would say that there is a limit to the universe. It's not infinite. Because Mm. there's waters. There's the waters above the firmament, the waters below the firmament. Okay, so the waters above the firmament, we see he's compassed them with bounds. Um, That could be speaking of the earth's waters as well. Until the day and night come to an end. And then 26.11 says, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. Well, that's probably not third heaven, but it could be applied to second and first heaven. And then in verse 12, you see, he divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. So prophetically, when does he divide the sea? Well, when the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, which did it happen literally? Yes, it did. So I'm just making the the argument that there's literal things that are referred to alongside these pillars, which would lend credence to the argument that heaven's a fixed place. It sits on pillars. Earth also is described as being on pillars, being a fixed place. The Psalms also speaks to this. In Psalm 75, Psalm 75 and verse number 3, Psalm 75 and verse 3. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. Well, of what? Of the earth. He bears up the pillars of the earth. Okay, so I think you can at least make the argument that the earth is a fixed place in the universe. Where would it be? Would it be, you know, on the left center or somewhere in the southern regions? No, it makes sense to me that it that it's in the center. Can I can I yes reel in a little bit? Sure. Back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Job twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta be honest. I didn't hear your psalm passage, but that's okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's fine. No, so it's good. in Job twenty six, I gotta get. The Bible says this. Um, I'm trying to find where I was reading because I was I was connecting. I was putting some puzzle pieces together here. He says in verse um, seven, he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Okay. So, okay. so you have a pillar, but you also have the earth hanging. And that's what I was referring to. Yeah. 
Um, but obviously there's nothing there physically. Right. Or, 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 or that we can see. Right. Okay. He bindeth up the waters in the thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven trembled and are astonished at his reproof. But I think it's interesting. Actually, let me keep on going. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, plural. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. So is it wrong? Maybe my mind is wrong in this, but is it wrong to to go in this reading to the initial formation that he had, or I say a formation, it's the wrong word, but the judgment that occurred to the serpent, to the sons of God, to the pre, because he mentions dividing the sea with his power. By his understanding, he smiteth through the proud. Is that reference to crossing the Red Sea? Or is that a reference to, because he's not just talking about just that one little area. Sure. He's talking about this whole creation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And this division of sea, holding back his face of his throne, spreadeth his clouds. You know what I mean? It's it's a big ordeal happening right here. It could be. It could, you know, I've not even considered that, but it could be a, a moving snapshot of those things. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And of Genesis one, of Genesis one, one, one and one, two, yeah, because we have water mentioned in right. one, two, and how we have some sea. Well, and... at least all the way through day four. Well, all the way he forms the crooked serpent. So even the right, which okay, who would we understand the crooked serpent to be? Exactly. Right. So I guess where my brain is starting to hash some things through. This is a reference to a time when things were. New, originally made, originally formed. Um, so, I guess for me, he hangeth the earth upon nothing. He, he, all of these understandings. I'm still trying to understand from a biblical standpoint mm-hmm. the differences between geocentrism and heliocentrism. Now, I will tell you that there's the pushback sometimes of he, of Heliocentrists, mm-hmm. spiritual heliocentrists, may think about the sun as an illustration or a type of of Christ, right? Of okay. God. Okay. Which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that scripturally or biblically, but I do know this: that Christ's millennial kingdom will be on the earth, mm-hmm. like His kingdom. In his this his throne, on this un in this universe, in this cosmos, is on going to be planet. on the earth, right. on this planet, right. on this earth, uh, and is not going to be a sideshow to anything. Right. Agreed. And now, what does this mean practically? Well, if you can build a mental model where the sun, you know, where the earth is still spinning on an axis and the sun is moving around the earth um, every 365 point whatever days. Um, Like I have no problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't, when I say that the sun is fixed and this is all my own conjecture, right? I mean, if the Lord will straighten us all out on all these things and it's not a heaven or hell issue. It's not a fellowship issue has nothing to do with that. Agreed. It's just, these are fun things to explore. Yes. I think the bigger thing for me is I want to make sure that my mind isn't conformed to to this this world world and this world's way of thinking, which that's a good verse. Yes. Right. If the Bible speaks, because be not conformed to this world that we know world is not talking about the planet. It's talking about human, the, 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 um, philosophies mm-hmm. and the teachings mm-hmm. of a secular humanistic society. Right. And we know that the goal of that is frequently to discredit mm-hmm. the Bible, discredit God and his existence and creation. Yeah. Blind the minds of men so that they die. Right. You know, and die and go to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same science that 
doesn't understand when life, human life begins. So that's, to me, where I'm starting to draw the separation. I'm being taught my entire life about heliocentrism. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm being taught, read this book about it, but ignore these, these chapters because that's evolution. But mm-hmm. then go read. So if I can't trust chapters three, four, and five, but I can trust one and two and uh, six, seven, and eight. Do you know what I mean? I totally How understand. How can I trust those chapters and not trust? Well, we because would... we do the same argument. For, mm-hmm. well, you can, you know, people say, well, you can't, you know, why would you believe in evolution if you believe in salvation by grace alone through faith alone? Because mm-hmm. you can't just accept John 3.16 and reject Genesis chapter 1. Right. Well, that's a great argument. But now I'm being told from a Christian science teacher, mm-hmm. trust chapters 1 and 2 and 6, 7, and 8. But don't we'll trust. skip those, right? You get what I'm saying. When, it, when, it, like, fundamentally, the worldview of the authors is secular and humanistic. Of course, it is. Right. So and that's going to color everything that they write. Yes. Yeah. And science is a system. It's not a loosely connected group of facts. It's presented as a coherent, cohesive system. That's right. That you're to accept whole cloth. And can I say a lot of times that that philosophy trickles into our Bible interpretation as well. Totally. Agree. That we, okay, well, this doesn't make sense, so we're just going to put it off to the side because it doesn't fit into the worldview that we've mm-hmm. already developed based on our education, instead of taking the Bible to be a literal book that God authored that we need to trust wholeheartedly. Right. And we'll take, like, if if we can't understand something, we will try to frame it. Yeah. Let's explain it away. In a, in a, either a way or in a scientific way. Sure. Can we not also say that is also based on our Western culture? Oh, yeah, sure. totally. Yeah. Jews seek after a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. And that's, that's how we that's operate. What, that's how we operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to kind of bring it back in, we are, I say we, me, I don't know where Nate's at, but I myself am listening to Brother Chad lay out for us a biblical understanding that it's okay even biblically, almost even more biblically, because I use that for from your understanding, it would be at least it's, it's not a problem. It's not Let's a problem. Just say that it's not a problem. To, it's not to heresy. lay out a a universe that looks like a geocentric universe where the Earth is fixed mm. and everything goes around the Earth. But well, and more importantly. You know, heaven is at the top. Okay. You know, God rules over all. There's no star that's above God. There's nothing. You know, God is at the top, and he looks down upon his creation and his focus. He has laser focus, if you will, mm-hmm. upon the earth and the things that take place on the earth. And at least from our perspective. Mm-hmm. So, it, and for him to say that, you know, that, the pillars of heaven, and refer to the pillars of earth a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, some can argue, well, that's just poetic language. Okay, well, you can make that argument, but then you have to try to make an argument, to me anyway, that the scriptures, the context, he's also you're also going to have to spiritualize all of that. Um, which one day, you know, as we read in Job, he is going to move mountains. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to move mountains at his return. Well, he mentions literal. I mean, in Job 9, where we were, about the moving of the mountains, he brings up Orion, mm-hmm. Pleiades. Uh, Arcturus, Pleiades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are literal. And I think they're garnished. That's the word mm-hmm. that's used. Did you read that? Yeah, the heavens are garnished. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to use uh, the mm-hmm. illustration of a Christmas tree, I just chose that randomly. But when you have a Christmas tree, right, it is a almost a pyramid-shaped object that at the top you either have an angel or a star, and then what do you hang? What do you garnish it with? Well, you garnish it with uh, spherical objects, Christmas ornaments and Mm -hmm. other things. Uh, Much in the way that we garnish a Christmas tree, uh, it would appear to me that God would have garnished the heavens that way. So stars Uh, would be garnished. Garnishing of the heavens would be the stars. Sure. Okay. Yeah. This is kind of so. Why can't creation be something beautiful? Well, that's instead it, of something that is just like it's supposed to be. 
Because right. do we not believe Psalm 19, the heavens declare the, the glory, glory of God. God. And God yeah. is not the author of confusion. That's right. Right. Uh, or there's order, order to this universe. Right. Um, and the, this universe is ordered to declare his glory. Mm-hmm. The stars and the sun and the moon, the declaration of his glory is a, somebody said it this way, Psalm 19 is where it's found. But somebody said it this way, some of the best preachers you're ever hear is the, is the universe itself. Mm. When you see their declaration of the glory of God. Well, and that would be... Or, the... or here. And, yeah. and how do they do that? By simply being or doing what God designed them to be or do. Mm. Right. When we see something function as it's been designed to, it's beautiful. For instance, a bald eagle soaring through the sky. I mean, it's not that uncommon of a thing to see anymore, and yet... We still, when we see a bald eagle, we're driving down the road, everybody's rubbernecking, whoa, look at that ball. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. we, it's a thing of beauty and it's because doing just what God designed it to do. This So this whole geocentrist thing versus heliocentrist uh, versus flat earth, I guess you could say, kind of the way it's kind of coming together for me, and I, I'm not solidified on anything yet, but here's where I would say it's kind of coming together for me. I, and you can say I'm wrong if you choose to, but uh, I kind of am d- finding that when I study God's Word, a lot of times things land somewhere in the middle of mm-hmm. where people uh, people interpret them to land. So, for instance, uh, we have uh, God's Word, and then we have legalism on one side, and we have licentiousness on the other side. So you have license, which you can do whatever you want. You have legalism, which is kind of the overcorrection of license. license. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the truth is right somewhere in the middle. And this okay. geocentrist to me is kind of lining up that way that flat earth is maybe the overcorrection of the heliocentrist and that geocentrist, right, is mm-hmm. kind of in the middle. You okay. get a little bit of both. Now, so, to argue, not to argue. No, you should. It's good. To That's disagree or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. You, um, arguing sharpens. So yeah. a Christian who is a heliocentrist, which I would be still me. Sure. Um, I'm not saying I'm not. I, no, no, no. This no. is just kind of where this so is To a Christian who's a heliocentrist, yeah. could we not say, well, you know, well you know, the earth is a center. What? That be, That's because we are the focus of his creation. Well, the earth is the focus. Yeah. But we're not the focus of his creation. Jesus Christ and his, his ruling kingdom. and reigning in his kingdom okay. on this earth. That's what I mean. Is, this this right. ball, this blue ball called earth, mm-hmm. is the focus of his creation. In order that his son be able to sit on the throne yes. on this earth. So does the earth have to be universally centered? You know what I mean? Or can it there would be, be heliocentrism? Can heliocentrism exist so and the earth still be the focus? In heliocentrism, so is the sun the center of the universe? Well, that's what I'm saying by its truest definition, but I don't believe sure. in that definition of heliocentrism. I'm going to say that these things can be, yeah. yes. but then you have to, you have to, okay, so how do I understand pillars? You know, Exactly. When, when we God, have to start. Can them. I give you a couple more passages? Yes. All right. So we mentioned heaven is north. And we're and I don't want to just like throw that out there and you just take it, but the scriptures like Psalm seventy five six, all right. Psalm seventy five six says that promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Okay, so it's the north. If right, if promotion doesn't come from the, the east or the west. Right, the judge is in the north. North. Um, when it comes to, you know, for me, flat Earth is not part of the discussion at all. Yeah, it's just not. I agree. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's. I don't know, believe Psalm one hundred three twelve. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So God is careful to use. East and West as the terms that he describes how far our sins are removed. And you know that if you go north long enough, eventually you go south. So there is a numerical, quantifiable distance you can come up with between north and south. Sure. But east and west you can't because you can go east upon the earth indefinitely. Just keep going in a circle. Right. So um you know that's and I think I hear you on on the extremes. Yeah. You know, there's the extremes 
of and I think the heliocentrism I think the folks who have landed on the flat earth theory are looking at heliocentrism saying they wholeheartedly disagree with that and I'm not saying it can't be accurate but I think they view it as that is the evolutionists the scientist theory so we need to take an extreme opposite to it and land at a flat earth right and geocentrism i think is sort of in the middle sure and that some of the theories or what the flat earthers trying to do is move away from what they believe is the evolutionary the scientific theory sure they've gone to an extreme and they've passed right by what is somewhat in the middle legalism did just like legalism did right and the problem is, though, is is what happens in those instances. And I have not read a lot on on flat Earth. I'm theory. not an expert on it either, but I have some friends that. Okay, and we would let again. They if they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have no beef with them. Sure. But if you're going to try to give me some kind of physical evidence mm-hmm. for being a flat earther, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Don't, because here's the problem: you're trying to use science, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the evolution is. Just like is. the evolution is. Right. So can you demonstrate this concept in a biblical fashion? That's you know, what we're looking for. Um, you said north mm-hmm. and um, where heaven is. My mind immediately went to Ezekiel 8. I don't know if that's on your list of passages. Um, Ezekiel 8, can I read that? Go. Yes, of course. Chapter, chapter 8, verse 2 says, And I beheld in low a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of an hand, and took me by a lock of mine head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven. So we know where Ezekiel is. Okay. Between the earth and the heaven. Yep. Okay. And brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, Hmm. where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Hmm. So that's where my mind went when you mentioned the north. Right, another orienting orienting word. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's just, it's an interesting discussion. Um, and I think the larger, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is that for anyone who's listening to this, even if it's just like our wives and our kids, is that you just let, let God explain to you how things are, con- how, how things are constructed. Let God teach you truth. Let God lead you in the way that you ought to go and just be wary about the world's spin on anything. Hmm. Just be wary of the world's spin on anything. Yeah. Yeah. If you believe in heliocentrism, believe in it because Scripture teaches it. Is sure. what you're saying? Right. Yeah. You believe in flat earth, believe in it because Scripture teaches it. Right. You believe in geocentrism, believe in it because Scripture teaches it. Right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not defending all any of the three. And I'm I w- just saying believe what you believe because Scripture teaches it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. yeah. Everything, that we, everything that we choose to believe, we should, or that we're considering believing, we should examine according to the Word of God. We should... Mm-hmm run it through the test of what does the scripture say, because that should be our foundation for right. all Agreed. truth. Right. Agreed. And that's, you know, that brings up another discussion for another day, but even what does that test comprise of? Mm. You know, when you're testing something, we are to, to try the spirits, right? We're commanded yep. to do so. Okay, well, what tr- what does that trying look like? What does that testing look like? Well, it looks like a lot of things. You know, proper biblical interpretation requires understanding context, requires comparing Scripture with Scripture, you know, requires um, loving the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and body, and seeking Him in faith. It requires a number of proper steps to be taken. You can't just open up the Bible, grab a verse, and run with it in order to, be, to, to believe the thing that you believe. We're to yeah. study to show ourselves approved unto God. Amen. How often does just grabbing a verse wind up leading to heresy, false doctrine? In a world of hurt for a lot of people. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. You want to reel us in and so, wrap um, her up? I guess that will not conclude, but I think this needs to continue. Yeah. Uh, but we all now we have two we have to continue. 
Yeah. Um, we will pick up, uh, uh, most likely, depending on the um, whereabouts of Brother Wiley, if we can find him, um, for next week to pick up on the back on the topic that we started uh, with the Giants. But at the same time, I think ultimately this will all lend itself to be uh, connected together in being a student of God's Word. Um, and so with that being said, thank you all for listening and we appreciate your attention. If you do have any questions, our email address is backwoodstheology at gmail.com. So you always feel free to email any questions. Um, we're thankful for you, uh, four that are listening and we're glad to have you. I appreciate my friends being here. Well, with that being said, this will conclude today. We'll see you next week on Backwoods Theology.